and nothing really works. So then we kind of decided, like, hey, let's try summer, right? That way when our family comes, we don't have to rush through a quick weekend, but we can really enjoy our time being out here. Um, so very grateful to be able to do that. Uh, you know, and through this whole time, just kind of wondering what it would be like to be back up here. And, and Matt and I were having dinner last night, and he kind of asked me what I was going to be thinking. And so, I mean, just the, the overwhelming thing for me this morning is just joy. Just joy seeing so many of you that I've seen before that we haven't seen in about a year. And to be, I, I think I've met at least 10 people that were not here when we left. So just joy to be able to see that the church is continuing to grow. Uh, and so just very excited about that. So... I know that uh, if you haven't heard, this month for the church is about rest, right? Surprise for those of you who haven't heard that. If you've been here, I know Matt's talked about that, but if you haven't, that's kind of the focus. So when we were talking about uh, things to preach about, it just kind of seemed appropriate to talk about why rest is important for us. Not that it's just as important for our bodies, but why does God command us to take Sabbath rest? And so we're going to look at that today. Now, in our... Society in our country, especially out here in the Bay Area, we love to be busy. We love to tell people we're busy, right? How many people have you spoken to recently and you say, what have you been up to? Oh, man, I'm just so busy, right? We say that, we hear that from people, and so we almost wear busyness as like a badge of honor, right? As though we're not as valuable if we can't say, hey, I'm busy doing this, I'm busy doing that, I'm all, I'm all over the place. And so we want to be busy, we want to talk about that, and it's one of the reasons is because if we're, af if we're afraid to slow down, we're afraid to slow down because when you slow down and you're not as busy, a lot of times our thoughts kind of get the better of us. And for the majority of us, we don't want to deal with those thoughts. We don't want to process, man, maybe there's something I need to be working on. I'd rather get busy. I'd rather be working on some tasks that I can just complete so that I don't have to spend that time looking inward. Now, one of the things we were talking about last night is how three and a half years ago, right, is kind of when COVID hit, and we all hated everything about all that, right? Not getting into any of that. But at first, what happened, everybody had to stop doing what they were doing. Right? And so at the beginning, there were a lot of people like, man, it's nice to not be so busy. And that lasted about eight days. And then we were like, forget this, man. We can't, I, I can't do this. Like, listen, I need to be going all the time, right? And so I even remember during that time, I'd put out a video uh, as, as the kids pastor, and it was like, families, this is an opportunity to take a moment to see what you value, right? Because you've got a chance to stop. So when you come out of this, what you value, you can put your time and your energy and your efforts towards, right? So some people scaled back, some people kept things the way they were, and some people said, I need more. Give me more. And so we continue to do that, and what happens is we get exhausted, we get tired, and we love again. Like telling people we're busy, we love to tell people how tired we are. And it's true. It's true. We are tired, right? Because we're so busy, Right? It's the thing, it's, it's like that perpetual thing. We want to continue to complain about it, yet we're not doing anything to make it any different. And we know that we need that rest. Right? All of us know, especially as adults, there's a big difference between four hours of sleep and eight hours of sleep. Am I right? Especially if you're a parent of young children. It's a huge difference between four hours and eight hours of sleep because we don't function the way God intended to if we don't take time to rest. Think about our vehicles, right? Think about the machines at work. There are so many things. If we don't take that time to rest, it's not going to work the way that God intended to. And so what we want to do is we want to look at how the Sabbath applies for that. Now, 
There are two tellings in Scripture of when God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. One is in Exodus, which we'll talk about this week. The other one's in Deuteronomy, which we'll talk about next week. And the fascinating thing is that when God gives the commandments, when he talks about the Sabbath, which is the fourth commandment, there are two different reasons given. There's one reason given in Exodus, and there's another reason given in Deuteronomy. So we're going to talk about each of those. Because God is giving the Israelites this law for them to follow. And so the way that you become righteous is by following the law perfectly, right? That is kind of the way that God has set things up. In order for you to be seen as righteous, you have to follow the law perfectly. So God gives that to them. So we're going to pick it up in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so what we're talking about here, what God is doing, is He's wanting us to imitate what He has done. He wants us to imitate what He has done. He has taken that Sabbath. He wants us to take that. One of the important things we need to understand, when we're talking about rest, we're talking about Sabbath rest, it doesn't mean taking more naps. Unless you're, unless you're a mom of a, of, a, of a baby, yes, then sometimes the most godly thing you can do is take a nap and trust that God's going to keep your child alive for that two-hour nap that you're going to take, right? That is an act of worship. And so what we do, he wants us to set that apart. He wants us to intentionally take time and set it apart for him. Right? When it tells us to keep something holy, that means to set it apart. It doesn't mean we just lump it in with everything else. So God wants us to take intentional time, and that's what he'd given the Israelites. Take intentional time to worship God and for what he has done for us. And so the beautiful thing about this is that God calls us to imitate him. Now, we think about why, why would God call us to imitate him in that? Because we didn't create anything, right? We're not keeping things going. But a way I want you to think about this, right, if we're trying to imitate something, I know that the majority of us, I assume probably 90 plus percent of us, have seen Steph Curry play basketball. So if I say, I'm going to go imitate Steph Curry, it's not going to take me two seconds to be on the court and realize that it's impossible for me to imitate Steph Curry, to do the shots he does, to make the plays that he does. What God is telling us in this, he is calling us to imitate him to remind us that we are not him. If we're called to imitate God, listen, it shouldn't take us on to realize, okay, clearly I am not God. Because I know, if I, I, the reality is the majority of us mess up before we get to lunch, right? And I mean, for, for over half of us, it's probably even breakfast. If you've got kids, it's breakfast. If you don't have kids, maybe you can make it to lunch, right? Where we understand to imitate God, to set that time apart, one, to realize that we're not keeping the world in orbit. You and I, right? If something, God forbid, something happens, if trees fall in the church today and we all die, guess what? The world keeps going. You and I are not doing anything to keep the world in order. 
And so we're called to imitate God in that. Uh, there's a great book on Sabbath called The Rest of God. Uh, the author's name is Mark Buchanan. He defines Sabbath as this, imitating God so that we stop trying to be God. And so if I were to ask you, do you think that you are trying to be God in your life? I assume the majority of us would say no if asked that question. Yet if you take a step back and look at our lives, in reality, we are trying to be God, and at least in our little world that we operate in. We want control of everything. We want everything to go exactly the way that we want it all the time. And a lot of times we try and do things to get it that way. We try and do things to where we can get it to go exactly the way we want it to go because in reality, if we are morally good people, we feel entitled that everything should go the way we want it to go. Let's just get, let's just get clear on that. That's not biblical in any way, shape, or form, but that is our mindset. God, I'm doing these right things. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. Everything should go the way that I want it to go. And so when it doesn't, our two options become either we submit to God or we like double down. And the majority of us, we double down in those moments because we want things to go exactly the way that we want them to go. One of the easiest ways we can tell if we are trying to be God in that situation is how we respond when something doesn't go our way. Right? How do you respond when you, when you don't get the job you want or when something goes wrong with your kid, your kid doesn't make the team, right? Um, something happens with, you, with your finances. What is our response to that? If our response is just anger and like stomping our feet, what's that, what that's telling us is, I feel entitled for everything to go well. Not only that, it also feels that like, it's, it's that we feel that God is not taking care of things the way that we think God should take care of things. Right? But the reality is we make terrible gods. We make terrible gods. Like I said earlier, we're, the majority of us have already messed up by the time we got to church this morning. And so, right, right, whether it be in a thought, word, or action, have done something to go against God. And then to have the arrogance to think that we know what's best for ourselves and for everybody around us is, is just kind of ridiculous. If we look at it from an objective point of view, it's very easy for us to see that we have no idea what we're doing, and we should be grateful that God is the one in control and not us. Because we're, every, listen, I don't know about you guys, but everything I have touched in my life, I have ruined in some way, shape, or form, right? Nothing, I've, I've not made anything like perfectly better by being a part of it. So for me, that reminds me that, listen, I, I am not God. I'm not able to do this. And so what we do is we get this feeling of needing to be in control, and so we're never able to enter the rest that God offers us. Not that He offers, that He wants us to give us. Right? Listen, God's not trying to keep us busy all the time. God wants to give us that Sabbath rest. And he talks about this in the Ten Commandments. It also is covered in the New Testament where God wants to give us the rest that we need to remind us that we can't function without him. And so in this, so we think about why don't we choose rest, right? Even though we say we want it, yet we continue to pile things on top of ourselves. And so there's two reasons we don't enter rest. And it's the same two reasons that are the cause for most sin in our lives. Pride and despair. Those are the two things that probably cover 99% of sin in our lives. So I want you to think about this. Pride is a mindset that only I can take care of this. Only I can fix this. 
Nobody else can do it. This is all completely up to me. Sometimes we even get that attitude like, man, God sure is lucky to have me around. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, listen, without me, he'd be struggling a little bit. But the next thing we have is the despair, the despair side of things. So all of us in our sin, we're on either this pride or despair kind of spectrum. And so with despair, what it is, is we believe the lie that either one, God knows but doesn't care, or that God is not capable of fixing my specific situation that I'm in. And so we end up on that. We end up on pride. We end up on despair. And the reality is that we understand that God is God and we are us. That should help us to be able to see that, to help us to be able to enter that rest that God wants to give us. That no matter what our circumstances are, we can still have peace Right? That we can still pray for the things that we want God to do, but that our response isn't stumming our feet or getting upset, but to understand, to look at it, how is God speaking to me through this? And so all throughout the Psalms, I mean, it was hard trying to pick a Psalm where it talks about David choosing God as his rest and his refuge. But Psalm 3 is what we're going to look at today too. Psalm 3, verses 1 through 6. And so this is a point where David is running for his life. Right? Most of us are not running for our life on a daily basis, but we have circumstances that make us feel that way, right? like that we can't get away from. So, in Psalm chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, David says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. And these last two are key. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Put yourself in David's shoes. People are chasing him, people want him dead. And so what he says is, I lie down and I sleep. And I love how he follows that up. I lie down, I lie down and sleep, I wake. He doesn't say because I'm awesome. He doesn't say because I'm the king. He says because the Lord sustains me. It's got nothing to do with David. David's not sleeping because of what he believes about himself, but because of the truth he believes about God. David understood that even if God chose to take his life that night, God's still in control. God is still sovereign. His circumstances do not dictate God's goodness. My circumstances and your circumstances do not dictate God's love for us or God's goodness towards us. Right? God sees things on such a greater level than we can possibly fathom. So everything happens according to God's plan. Even the horrific things that happen in your life are part of God's working, right? And if he's in control, then he can make that happen, and then we can rest at that. We can rest in that. We think about the things that keep you up at night. Think about the things that you worry about, right? Just in your mind, think about one or two things. How many of those can you actually control? Right now, if it's something, right, sometimes you're up at night like, hey, I, I said something rude to my spouse, and when I wake up, the first thing I need to do is apologize, right? Those are things you can control. The majority of things that worry you, that stress you out, are things that are well beyond your control and should serve as a reminder, again, that we are not God. 
And so like David, we can get rest knowing that the Lord is the one that sustains us, right? David says, I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Again, we don't have that. But in our circumstances, we still have things that we need God to intervene on, that we want God to intervene on. And so many of these things we worry about beyond our grasp, right? We continue to worry. That stresses us out. That impacts our health. That gives us something else to worry about. So we continue to kind of feed into this cycle where it gets worse and worse when all God is saying is like, hey, I'm what sustains you. I'm what sustains you. So again, if I would ask you now, do you believe that the Lord sustains you? I think the majority of us would say yes, but when we look at our lives, right, we say that's our belief, but our deeper belief is, if I don't take care of this, nothing's going to happen. If I don't resolve this problem, it's not going to get resolved. That's the majority of our thinking. It's not, the, our, our first instinct, honestly, listen, our first instinct is not to come to God in prayer. For a lot of us, like, we try and we, like, wrestle, we try and manipulate things, and then when we've been broken down, we're like, oh, maybe I should pray about this. Right? So our, our first instinct, if we see that the Lord sustains us, if we see that we can find our rest, then in those situations, the first thing we will then do is increase our prayer life, understanding that we don't have control over anything. So the point of having the Sabbath is continually to draw us to God and to what He is doing in our lives. And I know there are a lot of people that think, man, like, you, you don't know, Lee, you don't know what's happening at my work. You don't know. I've got to stay late. I've got to do these things. I've got to be the one to do this. Okay? A couple of things I want to say to that. Number one, the only people that will remember that you work late are your family members. That's it. No one else, no one else, when you're, when you're gone, when you're on your deathbed, no one will care that you work 60 hours a week. But your family will remember that. The next thing, right, we think, man, like, I'm so important to my company. I'm so important to my work. So here's another thing I want you to think about. Let's say again, God forbid something happens on your car ride home and you pass away. So I want you to think about which one's going to come first. Is someone going to write your eulogy for your funeral, or is your company going to write an advertisement for your replacement? <laughs> Which one of those is going to come first? Probably your company, right? So we have these inflated ideas that the world cannot continue to go on the way it's intended to if we don't make it happen. And so instead of thinking, oh man, like that's so deflating, no, that should be so reassuring and comforting for us that you don't have to keep the world together, because you can't. You're not capable of that. God has not called you to do that, right? We are not irreplaceable at our jobs. We're not irreplaceable in life. We get this time that God has given us, and He welcomes us in and wants us to be a part of what He's doing. But again, it's on God's terms because He created everything. He keeps everything spinning. Not me, not you. And so inevitably, whenever we talk about, whenever I hear a pastor talk about Sabbath, right, there's always the pushback. I don't have time to take time out of my week, right? When it was given in the Old Testament, it was God's intention was for a 24-hour period, right, from Saturday to Sunday. And so what a lot of people will say is, I don't have time to make that happen, right? Things were different in Bible times, but now it's 2023, I don't have time. Listen, that, that's a lie. Let's be honest with ourselves, that's a lie. Everything that you're doing, you have chosen to do. Everything that you value, everything that I value, we always make time for. Everybody makes time for the things they value the most, every single one of us. 
right? Think about our work. Think about our, think about our families. I mean, we can easily put our families above God and like, I'm going to make decisions based on that more than what God is calling me to. And so we always have time for the things that we want, but we don't want to slow down. We don't want to relax. We don't want to take a break. But if we do that, God has promised to fulfill us in that area. It reminds us that we're not God. So guess what? The next day, I can, I can love my family freely. I can go to work. I can work hard for that time. And when I'm done, it's done. Right? Again, the Bible's not telling us to be lazy. It's still saying work six days, rest for that one. And for a lot of us, we don't want to take that time because we think that we can't. Again, our, our idea of our own importance is way too great to understand that we can do that. We can take that break. So one of the things I would like for you to think about, I know, I know there are some people that already do that. I'll tell you what it looks like for us, and we don't always do it right, and we definitely don't do it 24 hours. But one of the things for me is just is being out in nature, right? I, I was talking to somebody this week. When I come back out here, I love how beautiful Benicia is. I love it, right? We live in Louisiana. Everything's flat. Everything's flat, right? We're not near water or anything like that. So I come here, and even after living here five years, like, I'm just enamored with the beauty of this place. So for me, in that moment, like, that is a Sabbath time for me to go walking around here because it results in me worshiping and praising God, right? It doesn't result in me wanting to take a nap, and that's how I get rest. The idea of this Sabbath rest is to draw our attention back to God. So what I want you to think about is what are the things in your life that draws you to think about God, that causes you to worship God. Those are the types of things we need to fill our Sabbath time with. So for me, it's, nature is a big one, and then when we do things together as a family, right, like that, I'm, I'm so grateful for that time and for that opportunity, right? And so those are things for me that draw me to worship God. It's not like, oh man, this is just great hanging out with my family. It's, God, thank you so much for this gift that you've given me. Thank you that, that you have allowed me to be part of this. And so for me, that results in a time of worship. So whatever our Sabbath time is, it's intended to be set apart time that results in the worship of God, not just getting another extra hour of sleep. That is the whole point of this Sabbath time. And so think about if you took that, right? I know right now some of you, you're like, hey, I've got no room for Sabbath. Okay, just try taking an hour or two. Right? Where it's an intentional time, not like thinking, oh man, I gotta, I gotta do yard work, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, but take time in doing nothing and just thinking about the things that God has done for you. I promise you, if you take even one or two hours before long, and you do that consistently, before long, you're gonna find ways to increase that time because what it's gonna do is it's gonna refill you, it's gonna refresh you with God's goodness so that when you go to work, you're not thinking, man, I can't wait till I go on vacation again. Right? You're able to live in that time. You're able to do your best at work. You're able to do your best with your family because God has given you that rest time. And you're able to work from that instead of continually going all the time. Think about how that would impact our lives. Think about how that would impact your family. Right? I, especially if, you, if, you're, if you're refreshed and rejuvenated each week. Right? It's so often we get so busy, we get so tired, we don't have time for anything. And so one of the most important things about this is to understand that this, even in the Old Testament, is still connected to Jesus. I know, I know Matt talks, having known Matt for a while now, I know that's his heart too. Everything in the Bible points us to Christ. Everything does. So then the question, okay, so how does this do that? Right? It's the Sabbath in the Old Testament was given to the Israelites. How does that connect to Christ? Okay. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at that. 
All right. Uh, if you got one of the Bibles behind you, it's in uh, page 772. And so this idea that God gave the law because there was a requirement of righteousness to be with God, right? To be with God. And so that's why he's given the law. And as we talked about, we, we break God's law every single day before lunchtime. But how does this point us to Jesus? Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, that's us, we couldn't hold up the law, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, why did he do this? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, let's look at that. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. That's us. We couldn't keep the law, so we are not righteous. Again, it doesn't take long for us to understand that. It's easy for us to see if we're paying attention. But that God sent Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning he, he came as a human, right? To kind of live and to do these things. And he was offered as a sin offering in order to condemn sin in the flesh, meaning to take our sin away from us. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. So this, this whole idea is called double imputation. Jesus has taken away our sin by his death and resurrection. Not only has he taken away our sin, but he's also given us his righteousness. Meaning when God looks at us, he sees everything that Jesus has done if our faith is in him. So again, this idea, right, imitating God to remind us we're not God. When the first time you sin, you're separated from God. You cannot do anything to get yourself back there. Right? You cannot do anything. God had to do that himself by sending Jesus to take care of that for us. And so our natural response should be one of worship. It should be one of increased prayer to understand, man, like, I, wait a minute. So you're telling me, God, that you took away my sin, which basically uh, assured my condemnation, was my sin, assured my condemnation. And so instead of having me fix that, you took care of that yourself by sending your son to die on the cross for me. And not only did he do that, he rose from the dead, and now I get the credit for what he did. Like, that, is, that should blow our minds. We should never have this idea that the idea of him giving us his righteousness is commonplace. That should blow our minds every single time. And so for those of us that are believers, right, this again should point us to a worship of God and should understand that keeping the Sabbath, that was not just an Old Testament thing. The rest we have in Christ is something that he has called us to. And I understand the reality that we don't all have a 24-hour period, right? I, I get that. That's reality of life. But you need to find a way to be intentional with that time, especially if we're believers, because this is clear in the gospel that this is what we are called to do. And I think that you'll see the peace and the comfort that God will give you through that. And if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, don't you want that? Think, could, could you imagine living a life where... The sense of peace that you long for and the anxiety that you want to get rid of is only found in the rest of God. Wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Jesus was sent to do something that you and I could never do. 
And so faith in him and his finished work in the cross is the only thing that gives us that true Sabbath rest. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you, Lord, for all the things you've given us, God. You've given us a command in your book that tells us to rest because that's what's better for us, God. In our own thinking, we would probably tell ourselves, hey, you need to work harder. But God, you have done all the work. Everything has been finished. The only thing that we are called to do is place our faith in the one who died and rose again for our sins and who's given us his righteousness. God, I pray that you'll be with each of us, Lord. Help us to make time. God, we always say we don't have time, but that's simply not true. Help us to make time to spend Sabbath time, God, to think about the things that draw us to worship you, God, and to get connected to those things. But what an amazing impact we could have on our families, on our community, and on the world. Thank you for your son, Jesus, giving us true Sabbath rest. It's in his name we pray. Amen.